0: What is up, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Thinking Big podcast. Today, we're going to be doing some adulting, and I'm going to have to put on my big boy pants, and we're going to discuss some unbelievable topics from surviving trafficking, prostitution, childhood abuse, religious cults, and finding out what really was the best thing that Jess learned from her pimp, and it's not what I expected. Jess and Reed are trauma breakthrough relationship coaches. They've spent more than 20 years helping people come alive because their personal stories give them a unique perspective on life and success. They are an unstoppable superpower couple that has been married for 16 years. They've got five kids all while helping people worldwide break through their trauma and hindering beliefs. So today... We're going to be thinking big into overcoming unthinkable odds with Jess and Reed Richardson. Well, I really want to thank you, uh, Jess and Reed for both being on the podcast today. Now, you guys, I mean, you guys have an amazing story, almost an unreal story, but it's an absolute amazing story. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about where you've come? (laughs) And it's a big...
1: It's so complex and yet so incredibly simple because we don't... I didn't choose to be born like I don't I don't believe that I chose to be born into the cycles that I was born into But yet it happened and as an adult, we have to take responsibility for our actions and our words and our thoughts and our behaviors and yet when you've been the victim of so many things It gets lost in this mushy confusion of life, right and so Really, my parents, they they wanted me. They were so excited to have me because both of them had come from such severe trauma that when I entered the picture, they were thrilled to pieces, but really they didn't understand how to address the trauma that they had experienced. So when I was three or four years old, there were three neighbor boys who started having sex with me. And I used the term sex instead of rape, even though it was most definitely rape. At that age, I didn't understand what rape was. I didn't even know what sex was. So these were my very first experiences with understanding what they framed to me as love. And so for two years, this went on and... I really want to point out with them that they were teenage boys. They they were 13, 15, and 19 year old brothers. And like a 13 year old boy who is healthy does not wake up one day and go, geez, I'm sick of playing my Atari. I think I'm going to go screw the girl next door. Right. Like (laughs) these aren't normal behaviors, these are generational cycles that continue through either silence or continued action. Right. And so the approach that we have taken is really just talking about it. Let's bring it out of the darkness, let's bring it into the light and talk about the reality of what happens. And so when we moved away when I was five, like we just moved. It wasn't even like a big break or a big deal or suddenly I was free because it wasn't until, um, Well, my dad was murdered when I was 10 in a homicide suicide, and I started to get a little wild, you know, like any child would who experiences such trauma and loss. And my friends started talking about sex. And suddenly that was when I realized, you know, at about 10, 11 years old, that what I experienced when I was younger was not normal. And suddenly all of the shame came into place. And I, I, I remember just being so shocked sitting next to the bed with my best friend and we're talking about sex and I'm telling her all this stuff and she like didn't know. And it was so mind blowing for that you know preteen me to explain something to someone who was a little bit older than me but i couldn't comprehend that she didn't know she didn't understand
0: and this, this and all seemed normal just perfectly normal that's
1: absolutely because you don't know what you don't know right when you're born you only understand the experiences that you've lived and we don't understand other people's perspectives because you're living in your own little bubble of your the things that your family believes the things that your community believes, the things that uh, the people, the friends of the family, like all of these are influencers that affect our deep rooted beliefs about who we are.
0: Yeah. It's our enculturated mind. I mean, everything that happens to each one of us by the time we're age six or seven, you know, all of that programming is what really gets that enculturated mind. And that's really who we become is, you know, it's, Weird to say, but by the time you're six or seven, I mean you've you've been pretty pretty well programmed on on how you're going to see the world, how you're going to act, how how things uh, uh, could be if you don't make the conscious decision to you know to to change that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So it, it my life just got really chaotic in those early teen years because I was seeking to be loved and known, and yeah, I was searching for purpose. And answers. I've always been a very deep, deep thinker, and I I see things in patterns. My brain works very differently, and I've learned how to use that for my benefit now. But for many years, it was I, I felt just different. So I ended up going and running away over and over and over again. I've basically been on my own since I was fourteen, and. Running the streets and then I ended up getting raped into gangs when I was 16 It became so important that I know my role That I understand who I am in life and I fit within that role right and there was so much deadly violence through that phase that it. I just knew it wasn't right. There was something in my gut that I knew I had to get away I wore this huge target like I stood out And I ended up running away and working in a restaurant. And I had already had a lot of restaurant experience because I'd been working for so many years, even though I was yet a teen. Um, But this man came in and he was amazing. He told me that I was beautiful, that I was special, that I was valuable. Like he saw me, but more than seeing me, he was one of the first people who ever really took the time to stop and listen. To really care. Right. And I wanted that. I needed that. And that's part of the nature of humanity. We all need to be known. And loved. And cared for. And he did that. Absolutely. And one day he asked me. He says. You know Jess. If you're already having sex. Why wouldn't you want to get paid for it? And that is. The best damn question ever. Because it's a legitimate question. It's real. If you're already doing it, why wouldn't you want to make money from it? I, I didn't realize what would happen the first time I paid him. I, I, he ended up putting me on the street Um, the track, that's what that's called. When you're out working the street, you're working the track. I was working the track and this is like 95, 1995. Um, So way back, back when we were still using pagers. (laughs) 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 But we, I went out to the street and I think it was like 50 bucks for a blowjob. And I remember just being terrified And at the same time, as I'm getting out of this little, like a little pickup truck, the guy grabs my purse and we start wrestling over my purse. The guy who just paid me, we're wrestling for it. And he steps on the gas and I got sucked under the truck and he ran over my leg. And my pimp comes pulling up and he's like, just get in. And I get in and I have this diamond mark from his tire on the front of my leg. And... Martin, my pimp, he just asked for the money. And I didn't even think twice. Maybe it was the fact that I had just done what I had done or the fact that I had just been ran over by a truck. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was, but I did not even second guess it. I just gave him the money. And from that point, Everything changed he started moving me fast from city to city to city to city And
2: now he had already um, given you a fake ID, right?
1: right? Well, he had already changed my name. Also. He had um He'd helped meet my needs part of my problem was that I was 17 and I wasn't Emancipated and I had all these restrictions because I was still a minor and yet living as an adult, right? and He gave me this new identity And so suddenly I went from 17-year-old Jessica to 22-year-old Joanna. And I actually lived under that alias for four and a half years. I even paid taxes under Joanna. Like it was a real legit ID that I went and took my drive test for. Um, So as I started, I really just bought into this entire cultural identity of pimps and hoes. Like at the time, think about like Pretty Woman, the movie coming out, and then the music, you know, the, the 90s gangster rap, which I still love. Like, nothing will get you pumped up like some good Tupac, you know? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> that, that, that's my alter ego. I want to be a, a rapper someday. So,
1: little... yeah, <laughs> <I> know, yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> we yeah. can all play that funky music. <laughs> it, it, But there was so much life in it. And because I come from so much poverty, it seemed like a solution. And honestly, when you look at Martin and his cycles, because he was about 25 years older than me, his solution was the same. He had been trained as a pimp and a hustler since he was just a teenager. And it was because his family was trying to overcome these generational cycles that they were born into. Does it make what he did okay? Absolutely not. It makes it understandable. Right. And with that understanding, I can see him now as human. He's not a monster. He was once a little boy. He was once shooting hoops in his driveway with big hopes and big dreams that got shattered by his reality. We all make choices. Sometimes we don't necessarily make the best choices. But most of the time, we as humans try to do what is right. I really, as I've gone through this journey of life, I've had to revisit my love of humanity. And the more I've examined it and the older I've gotten, I've just fallen in love with people. because. There's so many of us who have been through these horrific experiences and yet the experiences didn't kill us, but the memories are. Right. And that has been why, honestly, you appealed to me, the thinking big, because really everything that we've done and everything that we've accomplished throughout our life of the, these big ups and downs and ups and downs it's all been based on how we think about ourselves right how we value ourselves and how we encourage and nurture the people around us how we elevate others yeah
0: yeah and i think that's you know that's you know how we how we see things and how we react to them that is the one true control that we have as humans I mean, how, you know, what happens between the input of, of someone doing something or, or an event happening and, and what we do as a response, that is, to me, that is one of the only things us as humans, we have a hundred percent control over. I mean, we truly do. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, God, there's so much amazing, you know, things that you've gone through, not not amazing good, but I mean, just unbelievable stuff that you've gone through and this is this is very important stuff to talk about. I mean, I know it's sometimes it's hard for people to hear, you know, hear stories like this and 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 comprehend stories like this, but it is absolutely happening everywhere all the time. It's not something that, you know, is is was just happening to you. I mean, this is a problem with really our country and and this is a huge issue and and, and I absolutely love getting this stuff out on the table and and talking about it. And and again, like you said, you know, I think everybody is has an uncultured mind they they grown up they've grown up based on what they've seen what they've heard what they've you know what they've experienced you know and again i think i think everyone is half asshole half amazing it's just to me it's just the ratio
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely uh, correct <laughs> you know, some people are much bigger
0: assholes and a little bit of amazing and some people are the opposite but man that that's just amazing stuff i mean it's it's you know i i was out on my own at 15 trying to survive at that age on your own is is a man it is a it's a tough thing you know and it's uh it's very tough so how did that experience you know i'm sure it's it's shaped so many of the things that you do now and 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 shaped really your thinking and and, and who you've become i mean you would not be the person you are today had you not gone through all those experiences obviously you know how did you how did that help you or, or how did that uh give you you know a unique way to to helping people how did that shape how you coach and how you work with with trauma people and people that have been through trauma you know how how, how did that shape and how did that work
1: this honestly i am so grateful for my experiences within the sex industry because um to quickly wrap up that story i ended up being with him for about 14 to 15 months, had two episodes um, where I was very, very severely beaten. And the first one broke my belief in him. And the second one broke my trust of humanity because I was actually coming through the US Canada border and I was purple, black and blue, just completely beaten. My head had been smashed in. And, um, I remember thinking as I was walking up to the border patrol agent, going through customs, that if there was ever a chance that someone would help me, it would be right then. And he looked at me with such disgust and just told me to move on, keep going. That that moment, I knew that it was up to me, that if I was going to ever find any kind of freedom from him, I had to do it myself. I ended up building a relationship with a sex worker who helped me escape from him. Her and I went on to build a very profitable and large escort service in Seattle. So by the time I was um, Jessica, my birth, <laughs> was 18 years old, I was running this huge service and making, you know, thirty dollars to $50,000 a month and managing and really doing A different type of leadership because I saw the leadership that he had and I saw how fundamentally broken it was. And yet I also saw these women who were really just trying to make a living and had so much trauma and so much pain that I could help and empower them. And so this in my youth, you know, I'm 18 years old, I, I started just really seeking to understand and seeking to help people. One of the benefits of being in the sex industry is that your buyers will tell you things that they don't tell anyone else. Like I had access to this unbelievable bank of stories because I was coming in as, you know, just a prostitute. And so these buyers of all types and especially high end, because I've always carried myself well and with authority because my pimp taught me. (laughs) Those are some of the perks and why my book is called Everything I Know I Learned From My Pimp, because (laughs) I got a crash course in marketing, sales, hustle, like management, team leadership, while everyone else was like smoking weed behind the gym in high school. You know, I'm traveling the country running a pimp and hoe life empire. (laughs) So those are beautiful lessons that we can get from our trauma if we understand how to access them. Right. But I ended up spending a few more years in the sex industry, and then I got pregnant. And that was when I changed everything. I ended up cold turkey off a ton of drugs, and that was harder than anything else I have ever done, was going cold turkey while pregnant. (laughs) It is a nightmare, and I did it in one day. Um, I ended up, right after having her, I was selling insurance Um, Long-term care and annuities. I was working in a call center and it was one of the best experiences because I was suddenly surrounded with a lot of sales training and it was from um, the oldies. In fact, this was the time When, like, John Maxwell, I was introduced to him. And then, of course, Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and um, Tony Robbins, you know, all the big boys that have been in it forever. And I just started to kind of saturate myself in it. And my mom started to push it to me. And it, it came from everywhere. And one day I was cold calling. And I realized that seniors are either really happy They're really fun to talk to. They share the best stories or they are bitter and angry and nasty.
0: I hope I'm not the one that yells at kids. Get off my yard. (laughs) I hope you're
1: not too. (laughs) That's probably going to be me. (laughs) But I had this moment where I literally knew that who I was right then was only going to be magnified in 50 years. And I crawled under my desk in the fetal position, and I just snot bubble cried in my slacks and sweater (laughs) until everything in me broke. And that day I made a decision that changed everything. I chose a north star of joy. That no matter what I was going to do in life, I was going to find joy and happiness, and I wanted to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, "Jess, I love you. I care about you, you're special, you're valuable. Jess, you can be anything you want to be
0: and that to get to that position or to get to that mindset that that is a huge, huge shift i mean that 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 yeah. moment is really wow that that is a powerful moment to a lot of people mm-hmm. don't experience that they they don't get to get to that That point where, yeah.
1: Right. And then, honestly, to be in a sales environment where I had access to, like, this might, it was, like, 2001. So, to have, like, I was still listening to, like, Tony Robbins on cassette tape. (laughs) Because that's what you found in the thrift stores, you know, with those old clamshells that they would sell back in the room. And... It didn't matter. I just wanted to devour all of it. And so from that moment, I had a goal in life and I immediately started helping other people. I've always been pretty open about my experiences because I understood that shame lives in the darkness. And the more open I'm able to be, the more it validates other people's experiences. So I just started helping other people. And within a couple years, Reed and I ended up meeting, and it was very much a fluke. We, um, a, a friend of ours that I met online dating, called me one day, and he said, "I met your husband today," and I was like, "I don't even like men. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, so uninterested." <laughs> And yet from the first time we met, we were best friends and ended up getting married seven months later. And now it's been 16 years and five, four more kids. So five kids total. <laughs> it's It's been quite a journey.
2: A whole lot of adventure.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> but the week we got married, we immediately started helping other people mentoring young people mm-hmm. and we had this 19 year old gal who was living with us and we were um we had both just become like born again christians so we were just on fire and just helping it was like full blown ministry and this gal's parents came to us and said we love you guys you were so passionate you're like We love the way you're going, but you guys really need help. We're going to come to your house every Tuesday night at seven o'clock and we're going to help you. And they had been married for like 33 years at the time and they did. They taught us all the core things that we needed in order to quit fighting Learn how to work through the triggers that happen uh, during sex, like just the basics, really they listened and they cared. Right.
2: They had something that I had never witnessed before from my parents or from my prior influences, and that is that they could say, "I don't know the answers, but I can find the answers or we'll we'll find it together. right and that was that was something entirely different than i think either of us had experienced
1: it, it was just such a level of humility mm. and vulnerability and really a lot of things changed changed for us one day because they were just trying to help us trying to help us and then one day they came to our house and they were like 2 hours late they had been fighting Really bad. and when they came in, their energy was just so intense because you could they had been arguing for a long time. that's right. why they were so late. And that day, they blessed us with letting us in. We talked only about them. and we listened and that's when we learned that healing, happens through relationships that are two way streets. And it's actually one of the core reasons why over, you know, the the 20 years that we've been doing this work, we had plenty of opportunity to go and get degrees. But as we, I have received so many that the vast majority of our referrals have come through clinicians because the clinical field in general has really two systemic problems where they're literally tied with one arm behind their back. And it's not the fault of the people doing the work. The people who who want to become and who are counselors, therapists, social workers, they choose that industry because they want to help. They want to change lives. They want to do something amazing. What I realized by helping people first before attempting to go to school was that counselors have to have that separation between personal and professional, and that actually hinders the person you're trying to help because you can't get You can't get to the experiences, the validation that you can when you're in more like a mentorship or a coaching relationship. And the other thing was just mandatory reporting because we work with so many people who also have, you know, some kind of trauma in their background. And many times that trauma comes out through an event, like they did something like, a wife just hit her husband first time ever. She feels horrible. He pushed her. She doesn't know what to do. She exploded. And it was this breaking point. And if you go to talk to a counselor, a therapist about it, they have to report it. Right. And yet they're coming to us because they want help. They know they messed up. They know they hurt somebody. They don't want to do it, but the mandatory reporting gets in the way. It was, Both systems have the best intentions, but sometimes systems get in the way of actually helping.
0: So if you were to go to like a licensed therapist and we, and you, through that scenario that you mentioned that, you know, the wife hit the husband or the husband hit the wife, they would actually have to go and report that?
1: Depends on the state, but in a lot of cases, yes. And suicidal thoughts is another big one.
0: So that almost defeats the purpose of going to, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a...
1: It's a conundrum. Yeah. It
2: isn't, yes.
0: People aren't, people aren't going <laughs> to talk. And
1: it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People won't talk if they know that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. And so every time there've probably been eight or 10 times where I've sat in front of like an application where I'm like, I really just probably need to go get a certificate. And then I thought about all the people that I would not be able to help. And I literally just chose a path of self-education edu- right. because one, libraries are incredibly affordable. Back way back when I made the decision to be happy, I also realized that I could save myself probably two three hundred thousand dollars if I just never complained about late fees at the library. Right, <laughs> I could just yep. pay them with great joy. <laughs> and- <laughs> checked out books all the time yeah. and, and so that i've probably paid about fifty thousand dollars in library fees over the last 20 years and i am so okay with that and because you pay it on a trickle <laughs> basis it's not even a debt <laughs> you just pay it 10 bucks at a time
0: so how do you you know i know you guys have a way to help people you know self-identify you know roadblocks mm-hmm. that they have Talk to me about that a little bit, but how, how do you do that?
1: Well, it, it's really simple. I love to use like word pictures and metaphors because I feel like we can understand it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, each one of us are a tree, like a, like a tree, like actually growing in the ground. We're all a tree. I'm a tree, Reed's a tree, you're a tree, our kids are all trees. And when you have a family, it's more like an orchard. Because in our family, we have five kids, so we have these seven trees that are all individuals, but yet we're growing in the same dirt because we're in community together. We live together. So when we look at the tree, our branches, our fruit, our leaves, those are our behaviors. Those are the actual things that we do, both good and bad. It can be eating disorders. It can be healthy eating. It can be, um, obsessive fitness, you know, where it actually hurts you or it can be balanced fitness. It can be drugs and alcohol addiction. It can be self-harm. It can be self-love it Can be self-care. all the above, right? <laughs> it's all of our behaviors because we are known by our fruit. So it's right? like
2: everything that we're seeing on the surface.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So that is, our branches and limbs. Then we have our core, our trunk. And those are our feelings and experiences. And in the trunk is where most people become emotionally constipated. We get stuck right there because we can't feel past the experiences into our roots. And the roots are our beliefs. Those are the systems and the things that were already in existence many times before we were even born. And so being able to step back and see where the roadblocks are really helps. Are we trying to do behavior modification up in our branches? Or are we just stuck feeling the depth of the experiences in our trunk? Or are we actually addressing the roots? Now, the difference between healing and breakthrough is also a really important component because healing so many people and myself, I had struggled with this for so long, is healing fatigue where you're trying to process these stories over and over and over and over again and it feels like drudgery because you just can't get to the core of what happened. Like you just, you have to keep reliving the things in your head. And it's so frustrating because you're really just stuck in your trunk. You're just trying to process through this where breakthrough is different than healing is breakthrough is a paradigm shift that happens in an instant. It's what happened to me when I was under my desk, right? And that is a root change, that is restoring the root. It's taking something where you always saw it one way and you switch it around completely in an instant. And that's what makes breakthrough work so fun is because I don't even focus on the experiences of the trunk because if you restore the roots of a tree, it will automatically heal the trunk. And over time, the, the limbs will change too. If you want extreme and radical change really fast, restore the roots while practicing behavior modification and trimming the tree.
0: And most people only worry about the branches and the leaves. I mean, right. they're, they're only focusing on, on the outcomes. They're only focusing on their, you know, their thought, you know, what they're doing they're not looking at at the root that is an abs- absolutely fantastic way of, of looking at that that is a that is a great metaphor to understanding that and i think really uh, even as a society we're always treating just the fruit and the leaves rarely
1: absolutely doing,
0: yeah. in all throughout you know, society yeah
1: it, it here's the thing my high weight was 330 pounds So one of the things that we actually teach for behavior modification is trading addictions. Because when I went off of drugs, when I was pregnant, all I did was trade addiction to food. And so we really encourage people to just make better choices, not perfect choices, better choices. Because addiction is something that is... uh, based in a root belief. But if you can modify the behavior, so it's less deadly, it will actually really help you and give you momentum. And so it, I, I love that we did not choose the clinical model because then I can just make up terms like trading addictions. (laughs) We can do whatever the heck we want because it's fun. And if it works and it helps make sense Sense of things in people's heads, then it's a really how applicable it is in our lives. Right. Yeah, I don't care how ghetto something sounds if it works. Yeah. If you're able to apply it to your life and you're able to see things in a different way, that's what really matters. That's where the rubber meets the road. And because I didn't have certificates, I had to learn how to get results. And just based off of what do they call it now social proof in the old days we just called it results right. <laughs> you yeah. just needed yeah. proof and so I, I want to jump back for a second because in 2009 I heard the word trafficking for the first time ever we were already running successful businesses we um, we were doing well like extraordinarily well we been excellent at sales for a long time. We were running teams. It was awesome. I was at a district conference meeting um, with a volunteer organization who I worked with, and the luncheon speaker was talking about trafficking. And it just happened to be in a hotel that I had been trafficked in. And all of a sudden, I had one of those epiphany moments where everything changed, and it was the first time anyone ever told me it wasn't my fault. I went home, and I just unloaded. My mom lived with us at the time, so it was my mom, Reed, and I. The three of us were business partners, and we were a power team. And I ended up going public with my story and almost immediately gained like this micro fame. And because it got picked up everywhere, it went all over the place. One of the best things that we did was instead of going forward teaching, I listened. And as the thousand survivors started pouring in of every type, I listened to story after story after story and started to organize things. One of the beauties of my strange brain is that I think in like tinker toys, And so I started putting these systems and the allegories together so that I could understand the human behavior. And over the next few years, we ended up building a sizable consulting agency and having a nonprofit and getting in and doing the work. And then after doing all of these like relocations, they call them rescues in the industry, which I don't agree with at all. Um, that was actually one of the things that we realized was a core systemic problem with the movement. Right. And one of my favorite quotes is the only thing we learn from history is that we never learn from history. And so I've spent my whole life just studying cycles in history. And I realized that this is common, like not just within the anti-trafficking movement, but if you go back and look at the cycle within the domestic violence movement, before that, the civil rights movement, you can see these cycles of gross sensationalism, incredible violations of human rights, that after about 10 to 15 years into that movement, we finally get to a breaking point, cycles start to change, and we actually get to real results. The problem is I didn't figure that out until we were already neck deep. And so we walked away from everything. Yeah. We left all of it. Yeah. We ended up moving to Texas. And within six months, our, son, our youngest son became paralyzed from Lyme disease. We, they sent us home on hospice. And we ended up spending the next um, 18 months or so trying to help him recover. We ended up moving to the Gulf Coast. Um, for his health, because nearing the, being near the salt water really helped him, and it changed everything. nine months after that moved, Hurricane Harvey camped over our home for thirteen hours and destroyed the entire town that we had just moved to. We ended up finding ourselves living in tents, and I was carrying around one rubber box with me everywhere I went that I called my brain and I knew that it was in there, but at the same time, because everything happened so rapid fire that we could hardly catch our breath, that it was like we were just leaning into what we knew was right and just kept moving forward. And there was a point, it was actually Christmas Eve 2018 that my brain broke and so did our furnace. The only heat that we had, we were eating beans and rice. We were selling stuff out of literal debris. We were making high-end patio furniture, selling it, and just barely surviving. And I knew that I had to do something so different. And we were so frustrated with everywhere, like where we were, 18 months of like cooking over a hole in the ground. after experiencing all that we had and after helping thousands and thousands of people, after doing all that work, it was so humiliating, so broken that I just said, Reed, I'm going to bed because if I'm going to be broken, hungry, I sure as hell am not going to be exhausted. And so I will get out of bed for two reasons. If it brings me joy or makes me money, and I literally laid in bed for two months, <laughs> like, two months, I laid in bed and I filled my head with every book on money mindset I could find. And I just started pushing it to read and we were hitting our issues head on. And within six months, we had literally manifested a brand new RV. And then we moved to New Orleans for six months and said, we do nothing but rest. And we answer two questions. We're going to design our life. What do we want it to look like? And secondly, who do we want to serve? And for six months, those were the only two things we were allowed to do besides rest and play.
0: If you don't design your life and if you're not specific in what you want, you're just going to get what you get. I mean, it's exactly, it's people call it fate. People call it, you know, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't design your life and if you don't have a plan for your life, a plan and a vision for what you want it to be, you're not going to get it. you never will. And, and it's just going to be, you know, yeah, that's just the way it is.
1: Exactly. And that's how we had lived. Like we had tried to plan, but it felt like Honestly, in hindsight, I was still in the experimenting phase. I was still trying to acquire knowledge, and then once I figured it out, and I really figured out the systems and the tools, and uh, like, and it was hitting the nail on the head every single time.
0: So, what's the best way for people to get uh, to get a hold of you to get in touch with you?
1: Um well it's easy we actually my book's coming out in june yeah, and okay. that would probably be the easiest way is um the first two chapters in my book are available free it's the longest url in the world but it's easy You'll to remember always remember it everything i know i learned from my pimp.com <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well <laughs> so how long did it take you to write that book by the way
1: I've been working on it for about 10 years, but it sat unopened, literally in my Google Drive, in my brain for five years. And it was because I wrote it while I was doing the work with so many survivors. And boy, I wrote it in such a weird way because I truly believe in not exploiting other people's stories. At the same time, I only carry a certain type of patterns from being trafficked. There's lots of different types of trafficking within the sex industry. And like, I truly just became a world-renowned expert on trafficking within the sex industry, especially within the US. And so it was describing all of that teaching is in there as well. But it's really taking all the different stories. So I wrote a lot of fiction in there because it's all, my story is woven throughout the fiction. Right. But I needed to express other stories that don't align or that do align with the bigger picture, but don't align with my story at the same time all of the teaching and then at one point my blog was translated into seven different languages it um i was regularly retweeted by all types of really awesome people and when we left everything i literally turned it into a pdf and put it on my hard drive and so what the book is is the culmination of all of that writing in one place because While I'm really passionate about helping people understand trafficking, there's a much bigger picture. And it's, we're all remarkably human. We all have experienced things. And every single one of us deserve to find our joy and our happiness. And we, we need that. Yeah.
0: And I think even at the point, yeah. And and I think even if people haven't gone through some sort of extreme trauma, I think it's still very important. I mean, we still have to do this regardless of whether you've been through extreme trauma or, or, or not. I mean, everyone has their, their life experiences, but you know, obviously some are more extreme, but I don't think you have to be there to, to look at this stuff. I really don't.
1: Not at all. In fact, it's even easier be well not necessarily it's only as easy or as hard as you want it to be but yes we've all experienced things
2: i think we all are experiencing something right now yeah um, whether you're afraid of the virus or you're not afraid of the virus if you look back and you can see humanity from the moon you start to see a different perspective it's it's just a different world everything's changed and we're all experiencing a trauma of the unknown and, um, yes, it can work for anyone.
0: Yeah. Well, and I can't wait. That's what wait. makes it so exciting. Yeah, that is. And I can't wait for that to come out. That's going to be, uh, and, and the name is, is fantastic as well. <laughs> that, 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 that is a great name. I absolutely love that. And what we'll also do is for people listening, we're also going to put all these links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So when you're done listening, just go to the show notes and, and we'll have a direct link directly to, uh, mm-hmm. to your sites and, and to the book as well. So that that Absolutely. is yeah. we
1: we also do fun things because one of my pet peeves is that healing and trauma work is so stuffy. I I just got so tired of people wearing suits and being all professional, and I was just like, I want to have fun. And so also do shows where it's like we have a Sunday morning jam session. We literally just dance and play and laugh. Reed's an amazing musician. His vocals are unreal. He can be anybody. (laughs) And so adding in the element of fun and play and celebrating every win has really been one of the keys to success. Because I think anytime you do any healing or heart work, it has a tendency to just be heavy. Yeah. And so everything that we do, we try to bring this element, like it's hard in a podcast because like we're trying to shrink (laughs) our whole life into a tiny little space. Right, And yet it, it, the whole point of life for me is about finding joy and happiness. Absolutely. I'm sitting in the muck of dealing with trauma all day. I don't, that's not joy and happiness. I want to have fun. I want to play. And so we infuse that into all of our communities and all yeah. that we do. That's great. You, like-
0: you, you have to have
1: that. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I remember when I used to be an at-home dad almost entirely. Like Jess was speaking a lot. Um, you know, she was flying to Connecticut and back. She was helping the foster system there. She was changing the world. And I was just like, yes, go for it. I will learn how to be an at-home dad right now. And it was quite a challenge. But in that process, I realized that support that I was giving. I was It was just kind of like pouring into me, but I didn't really have anybody to talk to. And so everything I was receiving was just became a burden. And over time, I didn't know how to laugh anymore. And when I was able to laugh again, it was just like, an old friend coming back, right? It's just incredible thing because there's so many people that I know will read the book and they'll go, I can identify in the level that I want to help people. But ultimately, if you can get the help for yourself and love yourself through your own process, you'll be able to see it from a totally different angle. You'll be able to laugh again. And, um, I'm, I'm excited what will, what will happen with this book.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, and it's coming out in June, right?
1: Yes. In June, yes. Yeah, that's
0: going to be
2: fantastic.
0: It's been such a great time uh, talking with you guys. It's you know I've I've seen you online and you know I've you know kind of interacted online and stuff. But it is uh, it's been absolutely fantastic having you having you on the podcast and adding so much value. You truly wow. are. You know, I really want to tell you how thankful I am for what you guys are doing and adding so much value. It's so needed. It really is. And and thank you for for doing what you do.
2: You're welcome, and Sean, you're an incredible host. Oh, thank you're you. You're doing a damn good job. I
0: appreciate you. Some Sometimes sarcastic, and and believe it or not, I I was able to keep my sarcasm to a low just because...
1: because oh, <laughs> dang. Well, I, we'll have to, like reconnect at some point because I just want to hear your sarcasm right
0: oh oh trust me I need that I'm I'm, I'm, (laughs) I I am absolutely fluent in sarcasm so
1: nice (laughs) English is my second
2: language we believe in kind sarcasm it goes a long way
0: (laughs) yes it does
1: (laughs) yeah it this journey of life is a long time yeah and I feel like there's so many people like yourself that we're just starting Starting this journey, you know, and that's the beauty of life is that it just flows.
0: So, if what? So, if I was going to ask you on the book, what is the number one thing that you learned from your pimp?
1: Confidence. How to deeply feel confident when you are absolutely terrified. Um, Here's something really strange that I learned that um, I've actually been tested by a lot of, okay, probably five or six medical professionals where they've actually tested my body to try to figure out what happens. And it's a really common thing with very severe complex trauma survivors and it's that I actually have the ability to regulate my own blood pressure. Um, Part of my training that he gave to me was things like kidnapping me, putting me in a trunk and leaving me somewhere so I would have to know how to navigate back. So I literally learned from the trunk of a car tied up how to regulate my body functions so that I could calculate the distance, speed, and the number of turns so that I could get back to where I needed to go. Um, Those are things you really don't like, short of like Navy SEALs. Right. um, You don't really get other ways. To me, being able to remain calm in extreme crisis situations, being able to be confident when I'm actually terrified, being able to manage the um, the actual biology, the chemistry of my body has been incredibly beneficial, especially when raising kids, because when you have three in diapers, they are insane. <laughs>
0: oh, I can only imagine. I would have locked myself up in a trunk and drove somewhere.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> it does <just> get wild. <laughs> yeah. But it it confidence does. is number one, because I I didn't know most people are never taught how to handle themselves right. in situations where they're uncomfortable, they're unsure. And I I realized that people are people. And understanding people and understanding yourself is so so powerful.
0: Well, it was sure great having Jess and Reed on the show today. And everybody remember to check out the show notes for all the links mentioned in this episode from the book to their website. And until next week, remember to always think big. And if you haven't already subscribed and rated the podcast, please do me a huge favor and rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And every week I'm gonna go ahead and give a shout out to someone who's left a review, hopefully a good one. And this week's shout out goes to Life and Relationship Coach. Love your show, Sean. Really great show that inspires and motivates you to think big and create the dreams you want and go for them. Mindset is certainly everything, and it's essential to get you beyond difficult life transitions and toxic relationships as well. Get the mindset right. Everything else is easier. Keep up the awesome show, Sean. Thank you so much, life and relationship coach. Uh, That means a lot to me. Thank you so much.